there's the kind of like uh, a tension here between the fact that like it was an extremely incompetently run company, um, but people also knew that they were doing uh, conspiracy and fraud, right? So it's like both things seem to be true at the same time. And it seems that the, the trial is really underlying that both of these things were true, that there was a lot of um, ignorance and incompetence going on, but also a lot of uh, uh, malfeasance and intentional uh, conspiracy going on. Yeah. And one particular, I mean, one impact of that is that it is very hard to tell whether either FD, well, FDX made trading revenues for sure, but it certainly never like turned a profit if you actually count the money that it was spending. And it's unclear if Alameda itself was actually profitable as a trading enterprise. Like, you know, they were supposed to be essentially like a hedge fund or something like that, like trading cryptocurrencies and profiting off fluctuations in their value. But, um, you know, there was a, uh, I think another thing that happened today that I unfortunately missed was a, a session of forensic accounting that I think, you know, once I go back and review it, it's going to hopefully make that a lot clearer, but it's always been really a mystery, you know, in some sense where all the money went. Um, and there were definitely huge trading losses and, um, the, you know, this intermingling of funds and, you know, financial shenanigans makes it like almost impossible, I think, to, or at least, you know, very difficult and the process of like many months to come to really figure out um, whether Alameda Research was ever in any sense a profitable like business, quote unquote. Um, so it's, it's another layer of like the craziness. And it, it's, this is notable in the sense that, or because Michael Lewis, who had this um, going infinite book that came out, you know, he was very insistent, not just in the book. Well, weirdly enough, more in his TV interviews than he is in the book. Um, but he was insistent that like they had a great profitable business. They could have kept going. Uh, da, 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 da. He's very defensive of, of SBF, but like this whole, the, the, the confusion of it really makes that an untenable position to try and argue. I would love to get into the Michael Lewis book a bit more. I've, I've not actually read it and, and I don't know if I will <laughs> from everything I've been seeing around it. I might just leave other people to read it and, and tell me about it. And, and thankfully I've got you here, David, who has read it. Um, so I, I like, uh, this it seems like Michael Lewis was another one of these people who got really sucked into the uh, Sam Bankman Freed cult of personality. Um, like what 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 do you get what do you get from the from reading his book and like where did he really kind of fall down or what what did he uh, leave on the table in terms of like all of the access and reporting that he was doing, right? I, I mean, I've heard that he was having like hundreds of conversations with Sam Bankman-Fried, like while he was in house arrest and stuff like that, like just these constant phone conversations. A third of the book was purportedly reported from house arrest, right? But you would definitely never know so, it. Read it. So he had this unprecedented access, um, but from everything that I've, he I've I've heard and seen, it seems like. 
he just is still fully on the like SPF cult uh, of personality train. I think he caught the book came out. I mean, a, a, a strange coincidence. It came out like the day the trial started. And I remember him calling it like a letter to the jury, which is a really absurd thing to say. Um, but I don't know. What, what's your sense of, of going infinite? Well, I mean, I, I, I finished it like yesterday in court and reading it in court is definitely a wild experience because I'll be like reading a specific passage and somebody will be testifying on the stand about those events and giving like a significantly different and almost always way darker version of events. Um, so th- in, he, he definitely missed a lot and... Um, but at the same time, I don't want to totally dismiss the book as like, especially as a reading exercise, because honestly, if you have the time, I, I have to kind of recommend it. Um, a, and I think it is both a condemnation of like a guy who lost his objectivity as a journalist and kind of a rousing victory for like the basic standards and practices of literary journalism in the sense that he tells stories that don't have like a specific point he lets the events speak for themselves and what you get is this very weird experience at the same time he does you know he tips his hand in the book very much so especially at the end he you know kind of makes some very vague and ultimately kind of limp um inferences about the like competence and motivation of like the bankruptcy attorneys and the bankruptcy team. And like, he, he definitely like swallows Sam's stupid line on that. And like, ultimately this is one of those things where like, even if they're right, it doesn't matter, man. Like the stuff that like, if the bankruptcy attorneys were like shouldering you to get the fees, like, okay, but you still like did the thing that gave them the opportunity to do this anyway. So that, that part is fairly annoying and, you know, just embarrassing. I mean, as a fellow journalist, I'm embarrassed for him. It is really certainly on the level of like his work and his like intention. The book is, is a failure. Um, but what is interesting about it is the nature of that failure, right? Like you're right that Lewis definitely seems to have been sucked into the cult of personality. And the book is kind of a specific chronicle of that cult of personality because Michael Lewis keeps detailing these moments where Sam Bankman fried is either a gigantic asshole, completely wildly incompetent or both at the same time. And then going, you know, Sam's brain just didn't work like other people's and they couldn't keep up with him. Right. Um, and, and it's like, it's crazy. And I read, um, I mean, David Roth had an amazing metaphor, like an amazing metaphor that I am so jealous. I want to like kill him in a video. Game. <laughs> um, but he said, it's like reading, a biography about a basketball player who's just as competitive, vindictive, mean-spirited, and generally shitty as Michael Jordan. But you find out that he can't dribble with his left hand, he doesn't like playing defense, and he sometimes has trouble tying his shoes. Oh, yeah. No, you're right, David Roth. When he wrote that, that line is seared into my fucking mind. 